Whoa! I don't think I even want to hear your story. All of you must hear the Scarlet Spider story. My name is Ben Riley. I'm related to this reality's Peter Parker. How? I'm his clone. Or maybe he's my clone. We're not sure. I'm the real Spider-Man. I don't know what kind of mind game this is, but I'm the real Spider-Man. The real Peter Parker. You see? I'm really... Bones. I thought I was that clone. I tried to stay out of Peter's life by taking on a new identity. Dyed my hair, changed my name to Ben Riley. When I became a costume hero of the Scarlet Spider, it really made him angry. The next big blow came from Dr. Kurt Connors. He discovered that, according to our genetic structures, it might be Peter who was the clone, not me. That news pushed Peter Parker over the edge. Now he hated me with a passion. This is starting to sound like a bad comic book plot. It gets worse. Why didn't you just tell me I was a clone? The cloning process has proven unstable. You're coming apart. Welcome back, clone heads. I am Zach Joyner, the friendly neighborhood host of the Clone Saga Chronicles podcast. I'm joined by Joshua Lappenbertoni. And I'm joined by Zach Joyner. I'm also joined by Gerard Delatour. I am Spartacus. <laughs> uh, no Don this episode. It's just going to be the three of us. So um, we're going to be covering in this episode issues six, seven, and eight and nine of the 2012 title, The Scarlet Spider. Six through nine, dudes! Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that sorry, I'm, 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 sorry, I'm five years old. <laughs> it's all right. Um, not much news in this episode other than uh, we have a new voicemail line. So if you want to leave us a voicemail, it's uh, pretty simple. It's area code 818 925 Six six three one, or if you spell it out numerically, it's eight one eight nine clone one. It's like a nine one one phone line for you guys. So just leave us a voicemail and uh, we'll play it on the show. So uh, <laughs> that, guy, right. that that Glenn Beck guy is is just frothing at the mouth right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we now have the new voicemail line, so uh, that's 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 kind of exciting. I I kind of miss the voicemails, don't you guys? I've chosen not to answer for fear I may incriminate myself. <laughs> Were you the Glenn Beck guy? <laughs> no, no, no. I I know who the Glenn Beck guy was actually. Dude, dude come on. This is me. I, I I sound like a like a like a muppet on drugs. Like you'd be able to pick my voice out immediately even if I was trying to to throw it or something. That's true. When you would leave a message on the old line, it it would give like a phone number, but and the Glenn Beck guy like at one point he left a message as his real self and he left another message as Glenn Beck and it was from the same number. Nice. <laughs> so, so if you're wanting to know the identity of Glenn Beck guy, he's actually been on apparently on the show before too. I think I know who you're talking about, though. Now that now I think that I could probably said, search my emails because because they send it directly to your inbox as a file, and right. So so just leave us a voicemail. We'll uh, we'll play it on the show. Anyway, uh, not really. We're not going to talk too much about the Scarlet Spider news because there's really not a whole lot uh, going on right now. But uh, we're going to cover. We'll start with issue six on this episode. So uh, Josh, you've got the rundown of this one. 
Ah, yes, I do, don't I? Well, um, the cover is Kane at a tombstone with me um, flipping my thumb across my Kindle to try and actually get to the cover so I can talk about it in greater detail. But yeah, wait, because wait. it's 2013 and you have you have new technology. <laughs> so, wait, wait, hold on a second now, Zach. You have an iPad open with the issue right now. Josh, you have a Kindle open with the issue right now. Take and, I'm sh- blame. and I'm a schmuck sitting here with handwritten notes and, and paper issues. <sighs> Paper's lame, man. Yeah, man, it's all digital, man. <laughs> okay, hold, hold, on a sec- hold on a second. While you're doing this recap, I'm going to churn some butter. <laughs> Once or you twice. Know, I, was, I, was thinking, I was thinking since since Josh is on Android and I am on, I am on iOS, you just need to be on BlackBerry Playbook and we're good to go. we got all the all the platforms covered. Dude, dude, check out check out my BlackBerry tablet. It's so awesome," said no one ever. Exactly. <laughs> well, so, well, anyway, wasn't it awesome when Anya Craven beat up Kane? Said no one ever. Um, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's what happened during Brand New Day, and and we all enjoyed that. So we we get a little recreation of that on this cover. He's lying down in a tombstone that says Kane Parker, with Anya Craven um standing over him with her knife. So. Uh, so some good memories for us before we get to the meat of the issue. Well, Scarlet Spider is all the rage in the town of Houston, Texas, and people on the TV can't get enough of him. We get the obligatory comment from the police, like, "Yeah, what he does is great, but you know, we don't, we don't, you know, support vigilantism because we're not allowed to." The mayor's office has no comment, and we get all the man on the street reactions to he's awesome, that he's not awesome. And uh, Kane goes to get a tattoo from the way that the panel is. It's weird. There's a green-haired girl, and she has a tattoo of herself on her arm. <laughs> it's which is weird. And she's that's like, "Yeah, everyone." Tattoo. That's a tattoo of a fairy of some sort, I think. It looks like it looks like it's supposed to be her, like w- with the head position in that place, and also the green hair. Yeah, right. Whatever. Is it supposed to be a fairy? Probably. I'm I'm looking at it close up. It's you've zoomed in on your on your Kindle. Yeah, who <laughs> I've zoomed in to you know from your inferior paper. So he gets a tattoo, and it's just some like random like Darth Maul markings or something. Like not specifically Darth Maul, but like you know that type of thing. Talks about how perfect it is. She's like, yeah, everyone's being Scarlet Spider tattoos lately. Isn't that awesome? And doesn't that totally not piss you off and make you want to walk away brooding about how you hate the name Scarlet Spider? So Kane walks away brooding about how much he hates the name Scarlet Spider. And, <laughs> and we get an explanation about the costume. Like, apparently, uh, Madam Web did something to it. Like, so now it's stuck in red. Which, ha- have they have they established that before this? No, this is actually the first time we've actually gotten some confirmation on how the costume was, what it was. That feels like a half-assed explanation. That's <laughs> but, because it is. Like, yeah, it's stuck in red now because of Madam Web, and it's a bit effing painted, man, you know? <laughs> Do something. So then, um, I hope I'm pronouncing the name right. Araceli? Araceli. Yeah, Araceli shows up because she wants to have barbecue with Kane. <laughs> so, if you're in Texas, you eat barbecue. That's just how it is, Josh. So they're eating barbecue, and he's annoyed because she's wearing a blue hoodie. And he's like, I really don't like that blue hoodie. She's like, but it reminds me of you, and it reminds you that you that you want to be a better person. And he's like, oh, this isn't happening to me. Where's Annabelle? 
Well, Annabelle's at church doing some sort of a concert or something. She's singing, and Kane's hanging out, and he's like, so this is what people do. And he stares at a cross and gets a little freaked out, so he, he tries to get out, but instead gets stabbed in the chest. Or, actually, no, not stabbed in the chest, excuse No, is it? She Glitch. slashes him across the arm, which he puts up defensively. Yeah, she she went for his chest, but the way that the panel laid out, uh, for the first time I read it, I thought she got him in the chest, and when I did my recap, that's what I put. But that's not what happened. She slashes him in the arm. Um, so yeah, Anya Craven's at the church in the crowd, and everyone's too busy kind of mosh pitting to really notice what's going on. Uh, she goes upstairs to like you know where some of the supplies are, lights a bottle of what looks like vodka, which is actually a Yoast eighty five. Yeah. yeah, how great. On fire and says, Kane, I need you to die again. So now everyone is, you know, no longer moshing because, like, holy God, there's a fire. So they're running out. Kane fights her in the fire, which is it's actually a nice, you know, cool visual sequence. She has her knife, and apparently there's some poisons in it, which is, you know, because he got slashed with it before, he's having some trouble. But he says, you have no chance. All your knives, all your poisons, you are still nothing compared to me. So that's the explanation for why the poisons didn't kill him, because uh, they're nothing compared to him. Easy enough. So they have a fight, and the wooden part of the church collapses, you know, leading them to, like, a basement. While they continue the fight, they're all bloody. There's glass all over the place. And he actually winds up saving her, and uh, because a piece of wood was about to fall on her, and she's like, ah, oh, you're weak, just like Spider-Man. He's coming. The hunter's coming for you. And then he says, he tells her to shut up and says, if you, if I ever see you again, I'll. But he, she interrupts him again saying, my father is going to punish you. He's going to kill you. And I'm going to eat your heart. Kane gets the heck out of there because it's about to explode. He runs into Annabelle and he's all weakened. And he does the whole like, oh, I'm not a good person. You better not be near me. You know, the whole stupid emo stuff. Like, I'm not a man. I'm a clone. It's not even that. It's just this whole, like, you know, modern day, like, you know, like, I'm no good. You don't want to be around me. Hey, no, what? Where, where are you going? Come back. So Kane goes to a priest, and um, I actually like this line, you know, he wants to be a better person, and the priest says, what's your name, son? And he says, Kane. And he's like, oh, boy, sounds like we've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> and then it, it ends with a splash page of the Scarlet Spider swinging off, talking about how he's not a better man, but he's trying and then we get, you know, the epilogue, the post-credit sequence of that guy from issue, the, from that first arc, whose name I forget, whose name was only given in, like, the recap pages. It's the Salamander. It's given in the epilogue. And he's, you know, talking about how he failed. He's like, don't worry, the wolves will deal with the spider and the girl will die. And then the darkness will come. And then Madam Webb has a freak out, as she's wont to do, because somebody's coming back, a female, and is coming for Kane. Yeah. And that ends issue six. Whoa, 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 no it doesn't. There's what? a fourth epilogue. Oh, After wait, the letters page. Left... Oh uh, my god, yeah. I didn't even flip to that. <laughs> I just closed the book <laughs> and ended my recap when I like, God, they can't <laughs> I'm like, I'm like this up I'm like, and I'm like, oh, the letters page. All right, I'm done. Uh. <laughs> Good job. I'm leaving this all in, by the way. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. So let's see. Yeah, it's Anya Craven and her dad, and he wants to know if he's dead. And then she's talking about how he's changed and how he saved them and how he's just pretending to be a hero. And then asking if they're gonna if um 
if she's going to die now, if he's going to kill her because she fails, he says, not yet, Anya. We have hunting to do. Not yet, Anya. We have hunting to do. <laughs> Whoa, he's the Count and from Sesame in Street? My country, we eat the tortoise. <laughs> <laughs> what B movie yeah. did he crawl out of? The Revenge right. of Dracula's Ego. So that ends issue six. Um, we're going to start with Gerard, who reviewed this up on SpideyDude.com. Has his, so now we get to see if his thoughts have changed about the issue. Gerard? They, they have not. <laughs> um, okay, I just need to get this out right off the bat. This is not nearly as bad as issue five. In fact, I don't think any of these issues are as bad as issue five. Issue five is is the devil. Don't read that one. Um, for Skip good thing. <laughs> well, actually, just stop after reading the first trade. Um, and we'll get into that in later episodes, I guess. First of all, this is the last issue that Ryan Stegman drew, which is too bad. His art is good in this, but not great, because uh, he inked his own stuff here, and it, I don't know, it doesn't work as well as when he has other guys doing it, but... That's just my opinion, anyway. And as far as, like, relating to other issues, the, the I like the first half of this better than the second half, because it was sort of a, a cool-down from all of the craziness of the previous stories, especially the previous issue. And, and then it sort of broke into the action part of the story, and I'm, I'm fine with that. It sort of, it sort of reminds me the way they used to pace those early Lee Ditko Spider-Man issues, where basically the first half of it would always be him in high school, like, getting picked on by Flash, or, like, you know, trying to talk to Liz or something like that. And then the second half, the the robot that Spencer Smite sent after him would appear, and then the rest of the issue was him trying to get away from it and fighting it and stuff like that. So this issue sort of followed a pattern like that, and, that, and I like that sort of structure, and the fact that it was self-contained was pretty good. But but then it broke into Epilogue 1, and then Epilogue <laughs> 2, and then Epilogue 3, and then Josh thought the issue was over, but no, there's a fourth Epilogue. And I don't know. <laughs> I have no it, idea. <laughs> it really bugs me when, when comics do this, where basically they, they tell a story, right? And then it just feels inconsequential at the end because it doesn't get resolved, and then they proceed to throw a sequence of teases at you, some of which are only just now, at the time of recording this, being resolved. And I, I mean, I don't know, we're probably going to date this by mentioning this, but what issue just came out this week? Issue 15? So, like, just now we just finished that whole story about the wolves that was vaguely alluded to in, in one of the epilogues in this issue. Right, it literally took six months for that, that story to come to light. Yeah, which isn't too bad, but again, if you're spending 20 pages and four of the 20 pages are just random teases for things that are going to happen down the road, that I find that kind of thing bothersome, because I paid two ninety nine for this issue, and I want a story in there. Right. And, and I gotta be honest with you, the major, major drawback of this issue, quite frankly, is, is it's BND crap. And you know I hate my, you know I hate that BND crap. So every time some brand new day character appears, it just, it just, just drives me nuts to no end, so... It, this issue wasn't but, that bad, but it was a little below average. I'd say like a C minus. Okay, C minus. You were about to Josh, combat me on something. I heard you raising your voice there. What? what? No, no, I, I'm I'm gonna I'll get into it when I when I when I make my point. Okay. Uh, uh, Josh, what's your thoughts? It was a it was an all right issue. I mean, I 
as you can hear, like, I, I don't like the whole cliche of, like, the tough guy being like, oh, don't get emotionally close to me. I'm no good. I know that this is only making you want to get closer to me by me saying it, though. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that th- th- that bugs me, but that bugs me, like, more in, like, a humanity-type way than, like, you know, uh, than as, like, a comic book storytelling choice. But I like the scene with Kane and the priest. I thought that that was, you know, nice and funny. And I like the visual of uh, the Anya Craven and Kane fight, um, especially with the fire backdrop. It was really cool. It actually kind of reminds me of Skyfall for some reason, I guess because of the fire scene at the end. I mean, otherwise, it was just a, a battle issue and Kane reacting to, like, Scarlet Spider being famous. That's all, and I liked the bits with like the blue hoodies. Like I really hate it when you wear that. But right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I thought that some stuff. I, I thought that the explanation for like he must wear this red costume, and there's nothing he could do about it. Like he can never change colors again. He's doomed to always be in one color. You know, in the costume that can be anything that you want it to be, or like you which, know he which... can't just get a new costume or reverse engineer this costume like. Madam Web has cursed him to wear red because she's Madam Web and she knows it's his destiny not to be a green Spider-Man or a or a blue Spider-Man. No, 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 no Tron Spider-Man for you. <laughs> which, which, by the way, they apparently forgot a mere six months later because in issue twelve we see Araceli change the the costume's appearance, right? Or well, just Madam, the mask or something. You know. like no, she fixes the mask. She fixes the mask. Yeah, which was all, which was always a part of the the story. Right. Anyway, Ma- Ma- Madam Web is very OCD with colors. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, because uh, because clearly it's it's red because of because of plot convenience. Okay. Uh, uh, that, uh, that, and, yeah, yeah. That whole exchange just read to me like probably somebody was reading the feedback and online or something and, and letters that they were getting, and they noticed that people were complaining. They never explained why he chose that pattern for his costume, so they just threw right. in a backhand explanation for it. Which honestly, I I, I actually prefer that to, to nothing at all because that's usually what happens with with comics nowadays. But I, okay. I, at least they didn't. At least they didn't insult the audience the way JMS did that time with Mary Jane's broken arm. <laughs> with, with with Tony Stark and Peter Parker looking at the audience like, okay, you happy now? Exactly. Exactly. Right. This kind of smacked to that, but at least they didn't have him look at the camera and be like, okay, jerks, you happy now? Right. So your people on your demands. <laughs> 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 so 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 Josh is that all your is that your yeah I'll I'll give it a B minus okay um all right so so I'm gonna slightly disagree with Gerard surprise um I actually I've actually enjoyed this issue more since in the interim time that it's come out and that we're recording um and I guess I'll tell you it's partly because of Stegman. And now that I've seen Stegman do, you know, regular universe Spider-Man, I know that still exists. But I am going to concur with you. I, I, I do prefer a strong anchor with, with Stegman's artwork. I think it makes it pop more. I think that if he has a strong anchor and a strong colorist, it just it just is gorgeous. Artwork. Not saying it's not gorgeous in this issue. I just I, – I don't like a lot of the shading particularly with this issue in the artwork. And, a lot of hatching. A lot of hatching in it. Yeah. So I, I, I and I know it was trying to trying to set the mood, so to speak, and, and there was certain panels like where I felt it fit, like the panel with Anna Craven. Um 
Now, George, that one, I have... that, that one panel with the character was in half the issue. You got to be more specific than that, man. Well, like when he first sees her in 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 the uh, in in the bar or in the in the church. Right. I, I have to say, uh, and I know you complained about the B and D villains, and this is where I'm going to slightly disagree with you. Of all the villains of from B and D era to come back, though, this is the only one that makes sense, and. It doesn't rub off the stink from that first appearance with with Kane and Anna Craven, where he's running like a scared little girl. But it does redeem it somewhat. And and of everybody in the in that era that has a personal tie to Kane, Anna Craven's that one person because of what <laughs> happened during what happened during I mean what happened during Grim Hunt. So uh, Kane only appeared in three stories, though. You don't need to to connect him that way, right? I. I agree, but if you're gonna bring in a, if the mandate is, hey, bring in a B and D villain, this is the one that makes the most sense. Do you see my point? I mean, no, the one that up? would make the one that would make the most sense would be to follow up on what the hell the jackal was doing at the end of. of... Well, they do that, you know, in in issue thirteen through fifteen, but we're, yeah, we're not. I think it's fine to move Kane away from the jackal. True. But I'm still. It still leaves a bad taste in my mouth the way they just sort of said, "Okay, he fell in a vat, and now he's he has a different power set." And <laughs> it's just going to become like a bad '90s retread if he fights the jackal, and then like jackal calling him son, and him calling jackal father, and like get it, you know, because these are metaphors for the fact that we're a family, but we're not a family. And Kane wimping right. out again to save the jackal's life, like, but you're my creator, right? Because using using rocks on the assassins guild and the lobos is not a a bad 90s retread, but, but of course. Well, I mean, honestly, this title's goal is, I, I think, in some some ways, is to be a 90s homage. Uh, yeah, but I think I get what Josh is saying. You know, <laughs> I don't know. You want to divorce that. him from all of that. I, I, I don't know about that. Talk to me after the Captain Power appearance. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I, wasn't Captain Power, like, early 2000 or something? No, I think Maybe. it was 99. Maybe. I think I it was 99. Who knows? <laughs> it was in that first year of the reboot, so... Hey, wait a minute. If yeah. Captain Power was tied to that explosion version of Spider-Man's origin, does that mean Captain Power is no longer in continuity? I think so, technically. Yeah. In, in the words of, like, Basil Exposition, it's best not to think about those things. <laughs> Everything <laughs> happens. It did, except when it does right. Yeah, it's... It, the, the, he was in the Dr. Octopus explosion. That's his new origin. Well, there you okay. go. You mean her new origin, right? Right. It was her... Uh, Spoiler for a story that's thirteen years old or fourteen or how old it is. No, 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 no. The um because no, the, ex- the 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 chapter one it the chapter one explosion it was like Peter and Doctor Octopus's origins combined and since the origins are no longer combined you could still say that Captain Pat oh okay never mind I see what you were saying I thought you were talking about female Oct but yeah yeah she <laughs> no. was a- but you know I I mean I'll be honest with you um I would give this a solid C plus it wasn't a great issue. Uh, I agree with Josh that that, that I I really like the, the the scene with the priest because I think that added some elements of humor to it. I I I love the 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 references to Scroll of Spider and it's not it's not that that it's because you know I'm a I'm a I'm a masochist when it comes to Scroll of Spider so obviously I'm not that objective but. The fact, the way he's honoring the tradition without beating you over the head with it, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, he, he he's being subtle about it. You know, it's an, it, it's enough to where it makes you interested to go see, okay, why is he talking about this, uh, you know, unnamed brother? But those that know what he's talking about, exactly what he's talking about, it's it's kind of, it, it's, bal- it's a good balance between the two. Yeah, but we run into problems with that as we get farther in the se- Like, the whole thing with the Thieves Guild from the previous 
few issues is right. an example where that doesn't work. Or having the Lobos appear in a later story but never explaining who they are, that kind of, that kind of thing. Right, right. And I, I also think that's a little bit of editorial, too. But anyway, I did like the storytelling in the artwork. I, you know, I'm kind of echoing some of, of what Josh has said. I think that the storytelling was very well done in the artwork. Stegman can tell a story through his artwork. It's very, it has that kinetic feel, but again, because of his inking, I think it comes down a little bit in that regard. The dialogue, to me, d- seems fairly naturalistic. Um, it doesn't really, t- there isn't like a lot of clunk, there isn't a lot of moments where it feels clunky. And honestly, Yost does a very good job, in my opinion, for making Anna Craven a little bit more interesting. Because, I mean, she was essentially a sort of a blank slate, and and uh, I, I'm, I'm interested to see where the character goes from here. So, uh, in that regard... It's not like... I don't think he really developed her more so than anyone else has. But I, I think the, the way that he wrote her in this issue is interesting. Give me an example. Just making her, uh, just making her sadistic. I, she wasn't that. I mean, she was a little sadistic during Grim Hunt, but she wasn't. She wasn't a savage. Uh, I mean, even Kane references it in the story. I mean, that's a pretty brutal battle. Okay, I'll, I'll just say, I'll, I'll just make my point in this way. I want to know more about Anna Craven, written by Yost, than I did by Joe Kelly. That's fair. Yeah, that, yeah that's fair. That's um, fair. In my cons, we've already mentioned that the, the inking was a little bit weak, but I honestly, the, the the way it was structured is the other big big con about this issue, and that's why it brings it down to a C plus. It's really, do we need four epilogues? I mean, really? You can, this this kind of felt yeah, honestly. For real. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, this felt like it was a it was it was trade bait. Okay, this was like specifically written. Okay, we're at we're at issue six now, so we need to kind of make it a teaser for the next trade. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, they, by the way, they didn't release the, the trade for the series until the beginning of this year, around the time issue thirteen came out. Right. It's the hard. It was the hardcover, right? Yeah, that's really strange. Yeah, that's that's a well. They they had they had said that they were going to do. They're slowly doing away with the premiere hardcovers and slowly going back into more trades. So I think that was kind of the reason why they were kind of getting this space. I guess. I mean, I don't know. Gerard mentioned this is Ryan Stegman's final issue as the interior artist because he was going. He he now was going. He was going to go to do Fantastic Four. Did Fantastic Four for several issues. And uh, now he's doing Superior Spider-Man. So if you like his work in Scarlet Spider, you can check him out in Superior Spider-Man. He did the first arc, issues one through three. I like, okay, I may not necessarily like Slot, but I definitely like some Mason Ryan Stegman. And, and uh, he's a very, he, he seems like a pretty cool guy. So support him in that regard. But, um, all right, so that's going to go down to uh, to issues seven through nine. And we're going to do something a little bit different in this episode. We're going to give... One rundown of the whole arc, and then we're going to give our thoughts on the individual issues. So uh, I'm the one giving the rundown. Um, a couple of things before we get started. This is this is the start of a new artist, uh, Koi Fam. He starts with this issue. A little bit of backstory with the characters that appear with this. Uh, the, the characters Texas Twister, the team, um, actually was a part of the Avengers Initiative, and they're actually all previously established characters. So take that what you will. In other in other words, they scraped some uh, some flotsam off of the bottom of the barrel, rolled them up into a ball together, and called it a team. Pretty much. I mean, it was it's kind of it's kind of it was kind of a dance lot. I can't hear up. flotsam without thinking of flotsam and jetsam. Nice. <laughs> she made you can you can say all you can say all the members of doing. I was gonna say you could say all of the members of the Texas Twisters are poor unfortunate souls. If that'll make you feel better. <laughs> 
Oh, oh, oh uh, c- come on now. They just want to be a part of your world like everyone else. I mean, um, you know, they have desires just like we do, you know. They want to have fun. They want to kiss the girl. So, okay, we're going to start with this uh, this new story arc called The Second Master. It's a three-part story. Chris Yost as writer, Koi Pham as a penciler, Todd Palmer on the inks, Edgar Delgado on the colors. Stegman does the covers throughout the rest of the series. So after our recap page, we get sent to the Gulf of Mexico several months ago. It's an oil rig about five miles off the coast of Galveston, Texas. Some mysterious lightning goes on. Some workers are getting attacked, and they're saying, forgive us. Um, then the story actually gets kicked in after that little prelude. A uh, boy meets girl. A uh, boy saves girl uh, from killing, his, killing her father. Uh, father is actually the head of the evil corporation, Roxon. Uh, doing some bad things in Galveston, as we as we alluded to in the, the uh, prelude. But uh, the way the girl wants to kill her father, she literally tries to blow up the top of the uh, of the Roxon building in Houston with a rocket launcher. Scarlet Spider saves her. They end up uh, sleeping together. She wakes up the next morning, revealing that she fired. She was the one that fired the rocket launchers. Kane looks it on in horror. Some people are knocking on the door. Kane slips on back in his Scarlet Spider costume. And people show up. So, Kane goes back to the Four Seasons. He's, uh, you know, taking a swim, getting a massage, saying that he doesn't care. Um, literally, staying out of his business. And he's like... Then Araceli comes in and says, uh, Will you do something about this already? Jar Jar Binks? Moi, moi! I I can't sleep with all your not caring. I'm going back to to Zoe, that's the girl's name's apartment, uh, and goes to Roxon, and literally they've almost completely finished rebuilding the entire top like five floors of of Roxon building. Uh, Kane then goes to the house of Doctor Mellon and uh, Officer Layton. Officer Layton can't sleep because well Donald can't seem to you know not snore. Kane makes a de- reference to being dead because you know that's not happened in almost every single issue. Officer Leyland you know tries to hack in uses computer skills to to hack into the Houston Police Department or whatever, and gets him some information about Roxon. Uh, Kane's then sneaks into Roxon Tower and talks about how this isn't going to be a good morning for the guy that they walked in. He pulls out his his uh, stinger, threatens to kill the guy with him, and after trying to access the folders in Galveston, the uh, security comes in, tries to kill both the, the Roxon worker and Skrull Spider. They then have a fight. Skrull Spider dispatches them fairly quickly. He wants to meet with David Walsh, who is the father of Zoe. Um, after getting a meeting by forcibly knocking the door down, he finds out that Zoe is the daughter of the head of Roxon in Houston. And then the Rangers uh, appear at the end of the issue. Awesome! Yeah, the, the Texas Rangers. Oh, because... never mind. Wrong Rangers. <laughs> not, 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 the, not the Power Rangers. Yeah. Uh, Still think this book is in a 90s love letter? Well, so they <laughs> the Megazord and the Power Rangers. So that leads to issue eight, where, of course, the we go back to the Gulf of Mexico several months ago again, have another prelude with the guy with weird glowing eyes. That's important, because we'll find that out later. So we are introduced to uh, Firebird, Miguel Santos, a.k.a. Living Lightning 51, whose true name is unknown, and Drew Daniels, the Texas Twister. Veronica Starr, the shooting star, and William Talltrees, yes, that's his actual name, Talltrees, a.k.a. Red Wolf. 
Uh, Shooting Star has has a gun pointed to Kane's head. Kane's, you know, kind of got his hands up in the air or whatever. Then Kane proceeds to throw her out the window into the arms of Texas Twister. Of course, this leads to the um, obligatory random fight between the Rangers and Kane. Kane gets Zoe out of there, telling her to shut the hell up, and takes her for a joyride throughout Houston while the rest of the Rangers are chasing after her. You know, the head of Roxon accuses him of trespassing, assault, corporate espionage, uh, basically trying to get the... <laughs> The officers to say, you know, this isn't difficult. Roxon is happy to provide any security footage we have. Because, you know, Roxon's not an evil corporation. Remember, this is the era of evil corporations. Although well, yeah, but they've pretty- all, they've all, Roxon's always been an evil corporation, though, yeah, as far yeah, as Marvel yeah. is concerned. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, mean that, you that would think. To like Stern. Yeah. yeah, that's like Stern and Iron Man, right? Mm-hmm. Primarily Iron Man villains. Anyway, uh, Minute Maid Park gets a reference, so uh, for you Houston Astro fans. All, all 12 of you at this point. There's a little bit of a reference to that. So, uh, while at Minime Park, they have a heart... Uh, Zoe and Scarlet Spider have a heart-to-heart. Scarlet Spider steals somebody's random bike that was left sitting out at Minime Park. Probably a, probably a ball player from the Astros, if I was a venture guess. Uh, the wolf guy, a.k.a. Red Wolf, that's what I'm going to call him from now on, the wolf guy, is tracking his scent. The Rangers are woefully behind, and they decide, because at this point, Scarlet Spider's decided to go to Galveston. They arrive at the Roxon Refinery 729 in Galveston. The room that they were trying to get to, the reason why Zoe was trying to kill her her father was because of what was going on in Galveston, and the room is completely empty. So Scarlet Spider is just, um, you know, kind of kind of in shell shock, going, why is everything empty? But then again, earlier in the issue, he goes to Zoe's apartment, and they completely clean that out. So, I mean, he shouldn't be too terribly surprised. The Texas Twister, or the Texas Rangers, we all keep want to want to keep calling them the Texas Twisters, but they're the Texas Rangers. No, I want to pretend they don't exist, but that's not an option. <laughs> they get, get to Galveston, they continue to fight with Scarlet Spider throughout the rest of the issue before some workers get there and we're finally exposed to the true nefarious nature and we have this big giant energy being that's basically what I, what I would call it and the issue kind of ends on a funny note to me where Kane says and I quote you guys you call yourselves the rangers superheroes right yup good this one's all yours <laughs> so the the new villain Mammon is introduced in this issue, and we'll get more into that in issue 9, which is the last part of The Second Master. So, the historic Pleasure Pier in Galveston, Texas, is, this, is the site of the, the opening of the issue. A giant explosion occurs, and Scarlet Spider and the Rangers are there. Scarlet Spider then remarks that he's going to kill Peter Parker, and then he's going to find everyone who pushed him to being a better person, and he, who urged him to do the right thing to be a hero, and he's going to kill them all because this wasn't what he signed up for. So Mammon, as he is called, which is the giant energy being that was introduced in the previous issue, proceeds to start kind of kicking ass and taking names. And, and Scarlet Spider, as the... Galveston, or Galveston rocks and workers running away. Scarlet Spider traps him up in his web. Pretty much points a gun, or, or excuse me, Shooting Star points a gun at him and tells him that, uh, let's try that again, sweet thing. You have to do that in a Texas twang, by the way. We get the explanation of what caused Mammon to be coming to light, which was basically Ro- Roxon was drilling straight down, which nobody ever drills straight down uh, Christy Ost anymore. 
by the way, for the record. And drilling so far down that if they hit the energy source that wasn't oil or gas or carbonate, it was energy that they had never seen. And they dug, the explosion resulted in 18 men dying. But to contain the energy source, it actually took a man. So um, Walsh actually started uh, working with the drug cartels to, to transport people across the border to Mexico. So this leads back to our first arc in Scarlet Spider. This uh, wall shows up, you know, tells tells the workers to find, you know, his little, you know, Rita thugs to find his daughter. They then begin to fight Mammon and and try to try to contain him. And as he's the body inside Mammon is starting to lose uh, his energy. Mammon then tra- transfers his consciousness into Walsh. Walsh puts, pushes his daughter out of the way, and uh, Kane quickly figures out that um, he needs to put it back in the oil where it came from. So Kane uses the mark of Kane, the first time we've seen this in this in this series, to distract him long enough to hurt him, to distract him long enough to where he uh, jumps in the barrel of oil, and uh, subsequently an explosion. This then contains the the mammon energy and Kane then pulls Walsh out after the Rangers start pretty much eulogizing Kane. Now this leads to the acting CEO of, of uh, Roxon to show up, Todd Hamilton, and basically Kane wants to punch him in the face. The Rangers then tell Kane that they're going to stay on top of Roxon because eventually they're going to make a mess and uh, they'll be there. Kane is offered membership inside the Texas Rangers. We then flash forward to... <laughs> The Houston Medical Center, which is a few days later, where Walsh is hooked up to some some life support machines, and Zoe is drawing a picture of Kane, so that way she can use that to find Kane. So then we get told next is Minimum Carnage, which we covered in a upcoming episode. Well, that'll be just cool and swell. Exactly. By, by so, the way, uh, by the way, Zach, that wasn't the first time he used the mark of Kane in this series. Oh damn it! Yes, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was wrong. <laughs> Thank you, Continuity Cop. Usually that's Josh. Uh, uh, he, uh, he, he, sha- he shaved his face, I think, in the first issue by bur- oh, burning yeah. the hair off with the mark of Kane. Yeah, and we had to find that on Twitter. That's how we had to find that out. Yeah, well, you're right. Well, you. I, I mean, I picked it up from the actual story, but yeah. <laughs> whatever. Well, we actually debated on this up on this show, though. Remember? Because we were going, yeah. uh, how, did he, how did he shave his face? But anyway... Um, yeah. Okay. That's the first time he's used the mark of Kane on somebody else, though. Okay. I think I think you might be right on that one. Okay. We'll start with Josh. What What were your thoughts about this arc and and, and the the artwork of Koi Fam in particular? Well, my pros are um, one thing I like about the Scarlet Spider book, and and it was exploited, you know, in, in this arc too, you know, to the to the benefit of the story was that you can do things in a Scarlet Spider book that you can't do in a Spider-Man book. There is no way that, like, after randomly saving some woman, Peter, like, you know, would just sleep with her. Like, secret identity to the wind. Like, you know, he doesn't even, like, try and, like, hide his face or whatever. He's like, okay, you know. And without even, like, investigating why, like, you know, this person was trying to kill this guy and they just checking on everything. He's just impulsive enough. And the way he reacts to, you know, like, the Texas Rangers. So, I I liked King... Which, uh, I... I'm sorry. It's the stupidest. Okay, I I get that the, te- the you know the Texas Rangers are a legitimate law enforcement group. You know they they do a lot of great work in the state of Texas, and I know that they're a baseball team. But really, you couldn't have thought of a better name for a superhero group. I hated them all. 
<laughs> I got a question. For, I got a question for you, Josh. Since you, since you brought it up, did Kane actually know that she was blowing up the building when he found her? Because I thought she just sort of fell down like from the explosion, as far as he knew. Yeah, that's what I was. Thinking. Again, you know, he's he, he's not investigating the situation further. Like you know, it's well, true. Just, well, it's, just, I, I don't know. It's, I mean, I mean, he says hot chick. She kisses him. He he, you know, feels Randy. <laughs> Let's, let's it's still preposterous, up. though. It's Josh at the point, but anyway, I just—I was just curious. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, no, it, it, it's not bad. No, but I, I like that. I like that. Like that—that—that's that, something that I mean. Yeah, he should have you know Parker like smarts or whatever. But I like that he's just basically like you know like screw it, who cares type of guy, and that mm-hmm. you can do that in a cane book. Peter Parker would like second guess like about three hundred steps between like oh hot shit and waking up in bed with her. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, that's absolutely right. I mean, it's more in character for Kane to do that than Peter Parker to do that. Right, and the way he reacts to the Texas, you know, Ranger, I liked that. But otherwise, the whole – the Eve – okay, stop me if you've heard this story before. Stop me if you've heard this story before. The head of an evil corporation is working on, you know, some crazy shenanigans, but uh-oh, something goes wrong, and it transforms the head of that corporation. Yeah. Yep. Especially with Roxxon, I feel like they've done this plot with them in, in particular. Uh, Herbert landed times. in the Spider-Man animated series, like to name one thing. <laughs> off the top well, yeah, of my head. that every um, single animated movie. <laughs> right, right. The, even even Spider-Man One, technically the head of an evil corporation, Norman Osborn, you know, falls into some crazy shenanigans, becomes the Green Goblin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, 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 okay, it is a tired plot device, but go on. Yeah, so, uh, I, I really felt like I was re- I had read this, this was like a stock, almost like a stock story, and, I don't know, I, I, I did not like this, and I've been enjoying the book, and I enjoyed some of the issues after this, but this was, this was the arc where I was counting the pages, like, okay, when am I done with this? Oh, oh, yay, it's a three-parter? Cool! So I get triple the Texas Rangers. <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 we'll talk in a minute, but Gerard, give your your thoughts first. Cool. Wait, wait, is Josh done? I'll give it. A, oh, I'll give it a D for D. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Did, did did I catch you off, Josh? It's all right. I mean, I no, no. I give it a D for D. D for dumping. Okay. No. So, no. Uh, just D. <laughs> okay. Gerard, what's your thoughts? Uh, I think this was pretty bad. No, uh, I gotta be more specific than that. Um, okay, just just, just really, to get... really bad. <laughs> just to get into the, I guess the the basic fundamental reason why I think this story sucks is it. It's a story about a monster that's unearthed by a corporation because they're just so evil and greedy. <laughs> I mean, like, I hate that as a plot point. It's just like, this corporation... Is so, and, of course, they had to... Okay, look, you, Zach, you know me lo- enough to know that I am not a political guy. But come on, like, this is like... They're drilling so hard that they that they cause evil to happen. It's like, oh, come on, really? That's the plot of the story? Well, and, and to be fair, let's, let's, give a, let's give somewhat of a timeline of when this was coming out. Exactly. That's another further point that I was just about to make. This is right around the time that the whole uh, – the, 
the fracking was, further drilling debate was happening. <laughs> so it's just like uh, right. I mean, this was around the time that, to put it in context, this was around the time that Deepwater Horizon oil rig was uh, with British Petroleum had it had uh, had a tragic accident that uh, resulted in the loss of the lives of the people and, and ended up being one of the largest natural oil spills in uh, human history. So well, actually, this this actual story came out. A while after that, but well, but I mean, it was it was probably a what a, almost not even a year after that though. Like, I, don't the, I don't remember. I don't remember the timeline. Yeah, it was less than a year because I remember remarking about that the first time I read it. Yeah. So so this whole story is just basically a giant oil companies are evil plot using Marvel's stand-in for Exxon, I guess is what Roxxon has always been, except extra evil because they because yeah. they fund supervillains and stuff. So it releases an evil monster from being from their greed, which, by the way, it's called Mammon, which for you biblical scholars out there, Mammon is one of the, the demons of hell that, that stands for the sin of greed. Oh, what a coincidence. So they're fighting a monster that literally is the personification of greed, at least by its name, because some oil company went nuts. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the but, biggest and that, monster of them all was... Man. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Oh, my God. But, okay, to get more specific than that, though, I thought – I need to say a couple of good things. When Stegman – when they announced Stegman was leaving the series, you know I was pretty down on that. I thought this first arc, fam, did a pretty good job drawing it, mainly because the writing-wise, it was a, a cluster F. So – the fact that it actually made visual sense was something of an accomplishment. I'll give him a lot of credit for that. It's it's he got a lot of wonky faces all over the place, but by and large, I thought the art was was okay. It served the story well, um, and for the most part, it balanced the characters well too. You throw a lot of characters in there, most of whom yeah. most of whom are terrible, as we've discussed. But I didn't feel like they they distracted the story in any way like they fit into the story and they all felt like they got an appropriate amount of time so that I didn't you know you weren't jumping all over the place or missing a whole lot which often happens when you start cramming too many characters in there I guess the only problem is most of his supporting cast disappears for this entire arc other than the first part where Officer Layton helps him figure out what's right, going on stuff. Right. but again appropriate use of characters which is why you build the characters to be who they are in the first place. But, oh man, the, the whole thing with Roxxon and the continuity of Roxxon was kind of messy for me. It, it made my head hurt because basically, at this point in Marvel's history, I mean, Josh, you're more of a continuity cop than I am. Aren't people aware that Roxxon is evil by now? Uh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I was up on them by the early 90s. Yeah. Yeah, but okay. how many companies though, like that, are you aware are evil? Like, are, are still in existence? Okay, like, as far as I know, as far as I know, the you know Coca Cola Corporation isn't building supervillains, <laughs> which is what Rockstar has done in the past. <laughs> you didn't read, the, you didn't read the the last arc of Superior Spider Man, where the head of like you know the Coca Cola company hires Massacre to kill a bunch of people wearing their competitor's shirts. <laughs> you know, you make fun of that. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be surprised if that was actually a plot. That was no, that was the plot. That, Wait, I what? Swear, 
Okay, now you guys are just trolling me. Come on, let's not. No, we are not trolling you. What? It's true. Uh, Hold on a second. I think my brain stopped working. We're almost done. So, so, you know, so I I don't mind going off the beaten path. But, okay, like, the you remember Massacre from, like, No One Dies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he goes to, like, the head of, like, you know, um, it's not called Coca-Cola, but it's, like, you know, a company that's, like, supposed to be Coca-Cola. And, like, says, yes, look at all this bad publicity, you know, like, and then he, like, shows a Photoshop of, like, Hitler drinking, like, their competitor's drink. But just think, well, you know, what if, <laughs> what, what if bad images were associated with your competitor's product? Think of the millions that you'll make. So he's oh, like, come on, you're totally making this up. This can't be real. We are not making oh, this up, I no. swear to God. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> so the head of, like, the Coca-Cola company hires Massacre to, uh, to like kill a bunch of people, but the catch is he has to wear the shirt of their competitors. What? Come on, dude, seriously though, you're joking, right? We are not kidding about this. Dude, one. April Fool's Day isn't until Monday. Come on, let's cut the shit. <laughs> it's real. We are we are absolutely serious. Oh my god. And and and, and one of our buddies actually let this let this phrase out. How much time and effort did it take for him to actually sit there and photoshop pictures of Hitler with with his physical? Yeah, he he had a whole presentation and um oh exactly. uh, Spider-Man, what have they done to you? So um Zach here with a quick editor's note. Jordan, needless to say, went through a very, very rough time, having been explained the the consequences of issue six of Superior Spider-Man. This took about twenty minutes, so we catch back up on track right about now. Where the fuck am I in my notes right now? Oh yeah, okay, I'm right at the end here. <laughs> I have two notes. Ironically, one of them's about swearing, which I've been doing a lot of for the last five minutes. Uh, What's up with the swearing in this arc? Have you, did you guys notice that? There's a, there's a lot of swearing in it. I know, but not just Kane. All of, like, the, what's her name? The shooting star in particular is swearing a ton in this in these three issues. I don't know why that jumped out at me in this story in particular, but it did. I don't know. It's just, just something like caught. But the, the last really egregious problem I had with this story was the way it resolved itself. Not not the whole wacky sci-fi supernatural element to it, which is already pretty bad. But, okay, so the, what's his name again? Walsh, the, the head of Roxxon, the CEO. He gets incapacitated at the end of the story, right? So the government freely hands over the reins of the company to his daughter, who, as the story has already established, is an escaped mental patient. How is that? How is that legal? Well, you know. She's an escaped mental patient. Like, okay, uh, there's a perfectly I, logical explanation for it, and they'll reveal it in, like, eight issues when, like, they reveal that Madam Web, you know, put a, put a spell on them retroactively or something because she likes the color red. I put a spell on you. No, that, that, that doesn't work. No. Do you know the guy had, like, 200 kids? <laughs> <laughs> what guy? Uh, the guy who did the song? Yeah, yeah, if you ever, like, look it up, like, he had 200 kids. Oof, well, <laughs> they had a big reunion, and it was... A, and it was a convention. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally discombobbled after that slot that you brought up. So uh, uh, let's see, I had a B, C plus, C minus. He also made Shashan black in that same arc. Shashan was black in that arc. He made an actual arc out of this. Well, it, oh, out of the massacre thing, yeah. It was it was two issues, but I'm giving this a C. 
you're not going to give it a, an A after all you've heard about what's going on, like, around the pond? I'm, uh, Zach, it's your turn, or whoever's turn it is. Okay, it's my turn. All right, so we'll, I'll wrap this up. Um, my pros, I, I, I thought that Koi Fam was 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 good with his artwork. Um, obviously, he's it, it's the big change that happened in this, in the, starting with his arc. Uh, I, I think I told you, Gerard, back back when this was coming out, that it was it felt like a poor man's um, Ron Garney, circa 2006. <laughs> yeah, and I agreed with you totally on that one. It, it really does. Uh, it definitely has a Ron Garney feel. To, to it, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But overall, I the, my you know, I I, I find that the, his artwork was, was was comparable. It wasn't as kinetic. It didn't have that feel that that Stegman had, but it, it was serviceable in, in that regard. And, and I and I I did enjoy it. It didn't it didn't inhibit the story at all. Yeah, it'll, um, it'll, this is definitely the three best issues he's drawn of the however many issues he's drawn up to date. I right. mean, date as of recording, I mean, you know, however many issues he's drawn since. His work definitely degenerates after this. Yeah, and there's a, there's a myriad of reasons which we'll get into. When, so, anyway, the, uh, the, the story, the Texas Rangers, eh, not a great team. Uh, kind of just a ragtag band of heroes. Uh, Firebird... Uh, last time I saw her was in the Beyond miniseries. I don't know if anybody re- remembers that one with uh, with. Oh, that was the one with Gravity. Uh, yeah, well, the one with Gravity, Dwayne McDuff. You know, she was getting hot and heavy with uh, Hank Pym that never got followed up on. There were a lot of things that never got followed up on, like Gravity dying. Uh, that was actually followed up on, believe it or not. Oh, uh, oh was it really? I, I just uh, like... uh, by Dwayne McDuffie in the pages of Fantastic Four. Oh, okay. He did a he did a really short like less than a year run on Fantastic Four where he actually brought gravity into it and discussed it. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Um, so not uh, it's a it's a fun look. It's it's a fun story. It's not it's not great. Um, the 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 Minute Maid Park thing was kind of a fun reference to the city of Houston. I I always enjoy you know them actually trying to integrate real things into into and make city the, the city of Houston its own character. So I. Uh, Overall, I give it I give it a C plus. I mean, it seems like I, I gave it the whole. I mean, every single issue in this episode is probably a C plus. But yeah, um, I, I felt like the first issue was probably the better one with the artwork and, and such uh, of the three. Um, but overall, I would give it a C plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing really that just just obviously we've talked about some, the, the, a lot of the 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 cons of the book with these three issues, and I I just feel like I don't want I don't want to retread those. But yeah, you're, uh, the 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 plot convenience and all that jazz. It it it, it kind of felt like eh, it just felt like it was a mediocre story. And and I hate to say that with Yost. One thing that you, we talked about how he ba- was able to balance the um, the massive amount of characters in this in this story. And I I do have to say that I would contribute that particular aspect of his storytelling to his time on uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Because he was always able to get that team dynamic well, so I, it, it was interesting to put Kane out of his element. But I, I just feel like it could have had more to it, and I think it could have been with better characters. Yeah, that's 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 pretty fair. I mean, I had never heard of the of these Texas Rangers before. In fact, I remember when they when they posted the covers, I guess, and the solicits and such. I had to ask you, what the heck is going on? <laughs> Who the hell are these guys? Yeah, and and even I had to look them up, and I had forgotten during Slot's initiative series that there actually was a Texas Rangers team. And the sad thing was, is almost all of them except for uh, the Alien Fifty One, which I, we really didn't talk about, but 
he was the only one that had dialogueless dialogue. But he was he was like Chewbacca of of this team. Like like Chewbacca speaks and, and somehow Han Solo understands it, but nobody else does. And that was that was this character. I mean literally this character was the same way. Yeah. Except that you know, if Chewbacca had shown up in this story, that would have been awesome. But these guys no. <laughs> right. Disney bought Marvel and they wasted no time. I mean, <laughs> Disney bought Star Wars and they wasted no time. <laughs> Oh my god, can you imagine if they just randomly... <laughs> Han Solo is now in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> with, 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 like, no fanfare or, or, like, you know, press release or anything. You're just, like, randomly, like, reading Scarlet Spider and, like, he's he's fighting Boba Fett for no reason. <laughs> hey, they did it with Godzilla and, like... <laughs> remember that? Where, where J. Jonah Jameson's yelling at Godzilla out his window. He's like, ah, you over girl, what do you think? Oh, they could, they could do it. <laughs> I don't want to believe that. It would make more sense than having some damn Cola Wars plot, I'll tell you that. All right, so this wraps up another exciting episode of Clone Saga Chronicles. Remember to email us at clonesagachronicles at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at the new voicemail line, 818-925-6631. That's 818-925. 9256631 or 8189clone1. So as you heard on the episode, we told Gerard the synopsis of Superior Spider-Man number 6. Um, he went into a very long rant that went several minutes long, but uh, not all of it was recorded. So uh, included with the Bulk and Skull is going to be a couple of uh, 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 bits from him. And so I hope you enjoy the blooper section. We'll be back with a final wrap-up. Which we're calling her the wrong name, Josh. We should call her Skittles the Pity Hooker. For some reason, it makes me uncomfortable saying that out loud. (laughs) I can paint it, man. Zach, you're in charge of bleeping now. Where does it say in the the epilogue? Right below epilogue 2. Oh, the sound. I thought that that was the name of... Okay, got it. Well, nobody reads that thing below epilogue, too. Okay. <laughs> nobody at all. I, I'd have to zoom in. You that one where she's kind of got her own face going on a little bit. Oh, dear. That's the best way. That's the best way of describing it. But anyway. My... <laughs> Dude, she's 12. <laughs> oh, God, I forgot about that. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> hey, wait a second. We're serving alcohol in here. Who let a 12-year-old in here? Yeah, what what stands for bring her back, Superior Spider-Man? Don't give him ideas, please. Anyway, so, uh... Plot listens to every episode of Clone Saga Chronicles. Or, even better, don't read Superior Spider-Man. Very good. God, you screwed up my outro. We're gonna do this one more time. This wraps up. We're gonna do it! We're gonna do it live! <laughs> what, what the hell has happened to comics? You, you're telling me there's a f***ing comic book out there which got the goddamn plot is that somebody hires a supervillain to, to throw another company under the bus by wearing corporate logos on their shirt? Are you goddamn kidding me? This is real. You're not just doing this to wind me up, right? This is like actually... This, this, this is real. I'm looking for... Um, and Dan Spiral with this to me. Yep. Well, if somebody would know about the, the f***ing exploits of soft drink and fast food companies, it would be him, wouldn't it? And that wraps up Gerard's giant rant. You couldn't tell he's a f- huge fan of Dan Slots, and, well, 
He loves every single bit of his work he's ever done. Okay, that's a lot. So, without further ado, I am Zach Joyner. This has been an exciting edition of Clone Saga Chronicles the Podcast. Stay tuned for another episode coming to you soon. They'll be talking about the Lost Years miniseries with GMD Mateus and John Romita Jr. Be the usual gang, myself, Don, Gerard, and John, along with a special guest. So check us out then, and we will see you next time here on Clone Saga Chronicles, the podcast powered by Spidey.com.